Okay, okay, okay. Welcome back. Um, today we are going to talk about um, the beginning of my battered life. So I want to give a trigger warning. I will be talking about um, my experiences of domestic violence. I think in this episode, we might just touch a little bit of the beginning, maybe not too much, but um, I just do want to give a fair warning that I will be talking about um, some uncomfortable things. Um, And so I would like everyone to know that beforehand. Um, But yes, so... For a long time, this has been uh, one of the topics that I really, really wanted to talk about Um, uh, since I became a survivor of domestic violence. um, It is not an easy topic to discuss. Uh, (laughs) I have, like I mentioned last episode, I have kind of sabotaged myself uh, this month because, um, just having to think about everything, um, in detail, uh, is hard. And, um, although I have a safe space now, it it creates, or it brings back those unsafe feelings. Um, and they're really hard to shake off. Right. Um, because, Although those memories are still there, um, they're not right at the surface, you know? They're always in the back of my head. I have uh, little triggers and stuff that'll um, make memories come up, but I don't really think of them in depth on a daily basis. So, um, although it's hard, um, I look forward to this part of my journey Um, Not only do I think that stories need to be shared, um, not to gain attention, not to um, put anyone down, but on the contrary, um, we need to build each other up. Uh, There's too many of us living in this situation uh, or people or there's too many of us that have survived and still feel guilty and ashamed um, and we shouldn't. And I think that the more we talk about it, the more educated we could be and the more we can educate others, right? Maybe to see warning signs or to not feel so lost and helpless um, in those moments um, because it's a very entrapping feeling. Um, But anyway, so I just wanted to kind of give everyone a heads up and um, I just kind of want to continue where we left off. And so, as you know, my spouse was deployed, so he um, finally comes back, and um, he comes to pick me up at home, and we go to the store, and his behavior is not one of a gentleman. Um, He's kind of flirting with the staff in front of me and my mom. My mom kind of gets pissed. I mean, I was pissed too, but... That was kind of an issue that we wanted. I wanted to discuss with him. That's one of the behaviors that led to our issues while he was <clears throat> deployed. So it was kind of like not surprising to me, um, although it did bother me. I guess I was more embarrassed for my mom to see it other than what was happening. But whatever, I just 
wanted to deal with that on my own time. So we get home and my mom takes me in my room and she's like, I don't think you should, you know, move forward with this. Like, look at his behavior. Do you think that's appropriate in front of his wife, in front of the mom, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, whatever, mom, you know, trying to blow her off. And um, she made this comment and she said, you know, he's going to cheat on you and he's going to abuse you. She was like, and I think you should get out now while you can. And to me in that moment, I was just like, oh, my God, trauma, like how dramatic like relax. It's not that, it's not that deep. Right. Um, so I was, whatever. I kind of just blew her off and I was like, whatever, I'm just going to go see him. I haven't seen him in a long time, whatever. I walk out and it's crazy. It's like, I walk into the living room and then this argument, it was just like, I think there was just already that tension. And I don't even know who made the first comment or what. And next thing I know, I have my mom and him literally fighting over me. Um, she's saying that she's not gonna let me leave. He's saying, well, she's my wife. I can take her if I want. And, um, I don't even know how long the screaming and yelling went on for. And then the literal physical pulling (laughs) of me, like literally I had one person pulling one arm and the other, another, and it was intense. It was fucking crazy. I didn't even know how we got to the point where we were at. It just all happened so fast. And then, um, as you can probably guess, I ended up just leaving. And, um, I think I came back the next day and of course things were tense. My mom was pissed. Um, and I don't think that we ever really discussed anything. We just kind of spent time together. We didn't discuss anything. Um, and when I came home, I went back to work and my daily routines, my mom was pissed, but that was it. And so anyway, um, at the end of the week, I come home and I find my mom sitting in the living room with a friend, which later you will all find out who this friend is, but she's sitting there with a friend going through my photo albums. Um, and I've always been a photo freak. Like I love memories. I love pictures. I had like tons of albums of just, if I could capture every moment in my life, I probably would. Um, so, um, they're sitting there going through like my millions of albums and I'm just kind of like, what the hell is going on? And I was like, oh, we're just looking at your pictures. And I was like, yeah, but they're my pictures in my room. And my mom kind of made a comment like, well, it's my house. And I said, okay, cool. Um, Didn't want to um, engage in anything. So I went in my room and I noticed that things through my room were kind of, you know, like um, out of of place. So... um, I was just confused. So the more that I went looking through my room, I was like, this looks like my room's been rummaged through. Okay. Um, whatever. So then my mom leaves. Um, I remember this day, like it was yesterday. She left to go, um, look at a washer and dryer and, um, I got pissed. I packed my shit and I left. And so, um, that weekend was my birthday weekend. 
Um, we spent it in town and then Sunday we went, uh, we went to our new place, my spouse, my ex-spouse and I, and we moved in a month before, um, our wedding, I think was supposed to be in October sometime. Can't really remember the date, but so, um, we weren't supposed to move until then, but we went in there, (laughs) we went back. And the house was a disaster. There was wood chips everywhere. They were still trying to fix it for us to move in. It's actually a rental from one of my uh, regulars at the bar, at the restaurant that I used to work in. So he was in the Marine Corps in the 70s, and they bought a home out out in 29 Palms. And it had been empty for years because um, they had such bad luck with tenants. Um, And so they offered to rent it to us. So... Anyway, it was a mess. So, um, yeah, we moved in and we just moved on. Um, I met one of my close friends, well, now close friends. She was a spouse, too, of one of his fellow Marines. And she just welcomed me with open arms and she helped me get settled in. Excuse me. She helped me clean my house, um, get it together, which we didn't have anything. So um, it was kind of more just cleaning and settling in than moving anything in. And um, we just, I kind of started getting used to military life. And so he was gone most of the time, most of the day, early in the morning. I had no car. We had one vehicle that was crap. Um, I didn't drive at the time anyway, so it didn't even matter. And so I would spend the majority of the day at home um, by myself. And it was hard, you know, um, very small income, not much to do, um, not many friends. So whatever, it wasn't the ideal situation. But again, goes to um, show what I was talking about before right? We get into these situations, not really analyzing what it's going to be like until we're there. And so, um, it was very lonely, um, and very confined life. Um, but soon I started getting treated at the Naval hospital. So, um, that was kind of exciting, I guess, for me, um, to finally get treatment. And it was comforting to know that like somebody saw me and realized really how injured I was. Um, I'll never forget my provider. Her name was Lieutenant Commander McKnight. And she looked through my military medical record and was kind of like, what, (laughs) how did this happen? And how did they just get rid of you? And she was very validating for me. So that was important for me, especially in that moment in my life, right? For somebody to validate the the severity and reality of my injuries. And so I started getting treatment. She she was like very adamant of me being treated soon. She was like, this has already gone too long. Like the faster you get treated, the better for your injuries to heal, right? So um, I was totally for that. So she was really adamant about getting me started quick, which she did. So she made like this elaborate plan and I was seeing her often and I was in physical therapy like the majority of the week. 
um, what felt like almost every day of the week. And um, it was excruciating. I, I was in so, in so much pain. Um, but I did it. I was like, I was that determined to get better and reenlist that I just didn't care. Um, but, um, it just, you know, it just made my pain worse. Um, and so it was really hard to function daily just because I was in so much more pain because I was aggravating my pain and physical therapy and all the appointments and going back and forth and stuff. Right. So she had me on Motrin and Vicodin because um, I was in so much pain. But anyway, regardless, um, that was what life consisted of. Um, majority of the day at home by myself, going to appointments, um, trying to recover, and so on and so forth. Right. And so um, I remember one day uh, we were home. And, uh, I want to say it was early evening and, um, I made a comment about my treatment and my recovery process. And I was just kind of like, um, I'm so excited. Like I can't wait to actually see improvement, you know, like right now I'm in a lot of pain, but I know it's just temporary. Like I can't wait till I start feeling better so I can start you know, actually working towards reenlisting. And he looks at me and he says, that's not happening. And I kind of just look over and I'm confused and I'm thinking, okay, maybe he's joking, whatever. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And um, I don't remember exact words, but mocking, laughing, uh, kind of tells me, well, what, what really made you think I was going to let you reenlist? Uh, and I looked and I remember saying along the lines, like, let me, the fuck said I needed you to let me, (laughs) like, if I want to do it, I'm going to do it. I just need to get better kind of thing, you know? And he grabs me And he throws me. And honestly, I can't remember exactly what he said, but, you know, um, an argument ensues from that. And I get up confused and my initial reaction is the fuck. And so I get up to confront him and he smacks me away. And he says something like, what do you think you're really going to do? And he's like, um, and then he, I remember exact, I wish I could remember exact words, but um, basically mocks my size and says, what are you going to do about it? And so things get heated. And um, we're arguing and we're screaming and um, I try to push him back and he pushes me harder. And needless to say, um, we get into a physical altercation and I just at some point stop. I like walk away. I go in the room and I'm just bawling and I really 
it's insane because in that moment, you don't realize what's happening. You know, I think you're in shock and you're reacting and it's surreal. It's, it's not even real. It's like an out of body experience. It's almost like you have no control. You're just watching it happen. Um, and I remember going in the room, crying, sobbing, and he, uh, bolts through the door, pushes the door open and is like, what the fuck are you doing? Get the fuck up. And I start crying and I start saying, my mom was right. My mom was right. She told me like this was going to happen. And basically he was like, you're so fucking dramatic. Get the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. You're so fucking stupid, you know. Um, And in that moment, as I say it, it's like I can your heart kind of stops and drops to the pit of your stomach. And it's like, what, what did you say to me? Like, why are you talking down to me like that? Like you feel so low and degraded. Like I was called every name in the book. I was stupid. I was a slut. I was a whore. Like I was just every name in the book, you know? And I was just, I couldn't believe it. I was just standing there and it's almost like my heart hurt and my body hurt just from listening to all the negative things that he had to say to me. I don't think that I had really realized the, the degree of the physical violence. Like I, I think that I was so upset and so enraged and so in shock that, I mean, I knew it happened. Right. But I didn't, it hadn't hit me yet. Like, dude, he hit me. He pushed me to the floor, you know, that hadn't resonated yet. And so in that moment, because we were still arguing and no longer physically fighting, I think that's what my brain was concentrating on. And I just remember sobbing and feeling like so sad. It was so sad that I was living this. Like I never thought I would be one of those people, right? Because when you hear about people being in abusive relationships, you're, you think, right? And I was young, 21. <clears throat> and so I know that I had that mentality, like how stupid, how stupid could you be? You know? And, um, I grew up in, in that. And I used to always, you know, I used to be upset and think about my mom and like, why didn't she ever leave? Like, why did you take, why did she take so much shit from my dad? You know? I saw it happen so many times and it just used to make me angry, you know, like, why, why would you let him do that to you? You know? And so I always kind of grew up with that mentality. Like I would never, I would never allow anyone to treat me that way. I would never allow myself to stay in a situation like that. I would, I know better. I'm smarter. I would never get myself in a situation like that. Those are the things and the thoughts I always had growing up. You know, and so um, 
and I, and I used to pride myself in that, you know, in that mentality, like, yeah, I'm going to be better. I'm going to break cycles, blah, blah, blah. Right. And, um, so in that moment, I just felt so defeated. Like I felt like a failure at something else in my life. And mind you, this was our first abusive or violent encounter, right? But even then, like, as he's yelling all these negative, demeaning, hurtful things at me, that's all I can feel. It literally felt like I was losing value as I was standing there. Just, it was like one slap after the other, after the other, after the other. Like, not literal, (laughs) but every word was almost as bad as a as its own separate beating. And I just remember crying that night and just thinking like, how did this happen? Like, how did it happen? We literally was, were just having a conversation, right? Um, and so the next day, um, we wake up and, um, scared and I don't know what to expect or how to behave. Um, he gets up like nothing. Um, and before he leaves, he's like, he apologizes and he tells me he loves me. And, um, that's it. And we go on, we don't talk about it. We, we don't talk about it. We don't talk about anything. We don't discuss it. Uh, we just go on with our life like nothing happened. And so uh, we go like that for days, maybe weeks, um, before anything else comes up again. Um, but sure enough, soon enough, right, um, we're again in the living room talking and he makes a comment like, um, I would never have your kid. And I'm thinking like, okay. And he was like, why would I have your kid? And so then I made a comment like, well, then why would you marry me? Um, And even though, you know, we had many probably ulterior reasons for getting married, um, to me, ultimately, you know, I had made a commitment um, of marriage. I didn't say like, oh, once I realist, I'm leaving. Once I get better. No, it was just kind of part of the, our, of our marriage package. Right. But my mentality was never like, oh, okay. So you offered this. So once that's done with, then we're done. Right. So he would say things like that just to belittle me, um, and to degrade me. And he, like I feel like that first incident was the the opening of that door where now it was just so easy to insult me. So any opportunity that he got, he would. I was a whore. I was disgusting. Um, why would he have my kids? Um, I was stupid. Um, just things like I was... I wasn't good for anything but laying on my back and spreading my legs open. And I just think like, then why would you choose me to be your wife? Like, why would you want to, if I'm all these negative 
such disgusting things. If I disgust you so much, like why would you commit to marry me and to tell people and let everyone know? Because for me, the way I would think about it when he would say these things, like, well, then wouldn't you be ashamed to be with me? Like you wouldn't want anyone to know that you were with someone like me if I'm such a terrible disgusting, low rating person. Right. But, you know, like I said, that was the beginning of things. And then the love bombing started. So it was like, I was a punching bag and whether it was literal or figuratively, um, he would insult me and say things to me. Um, and then the next day, I'm sorry, I love you so much. Um, you're the best thing. Um, I can't believe that I have you like, things like that. Right. And so then unfortunately it kind of became a habit where, um, he would treat me poorly and we would have violent encounters and then, um, Oh, you're the best thing. Oh, I love you so much. Oh, let's go in. Let's do a movie night. Let's, you know, let's do this and this and that. Or um, we would have the guys over for dinner and he's like, oh, my wife is so hot. Look at my wife. And, you know, and it was one of those things where he was like indirectly love bombing me. He wasn't saying it to me, but he was like, um, you know, flattering me by telling others um, how great I was. And, um, you know, things like that. And honestly, on my many days alone, I would sit there and contemplate and I would think, well, I can't call my mom because she's not talking to me. Um, and even if I did, what am I going to get? And I told you so, right? Um, then I was embarrassed to even tell her because I was ashamed and I thought to myself, you know, I, I made this decision against everybody's, um, against everybody's, uh, advisement, right? Everyone told me it wasn't a good idea. And so just to have to show face and be like, damn, everybody was right, you know, um, which is stupid, but that's how I felt. I felt like a failure again. Um, I felt like I had to show face again. And I kind of felt like I just had to deal with it and write it out because, I mean, I made this decision. Um, also, myself knowing, you know, that it, I knew um, we, it, we didn't get along for a long time. Um, we were reconnected through a mutual friend. And so that alone should have told me <laughs> that this was a very bad idea. Um, if I don't get along with someone for a long time and I dislike them for a long time, um, what makes me think that engaging in a relationship would be a good idea? Uh, but clearly I wasn't thinking. Um, I think that I was uh, making decisions based on my emotions and my situation in the moment. And um, that that soon enough caught up with me. And so I made a decision to suck it up, um, deal with it myself. I didn't tell anyone, none of my closest friends. Um, and I just kept it to myself. And it was my 
deep, dark secret. <clears throat> and um, and I, I think I did a good job at playing it off. Uh, I mean, what does a battered wife look like, right? Or not even wife, but what does a, a battered significant other look like? I mean, is there a specific way we're supposed to look? You know, are we supposed to look better? Because let me tell you, the person abusing is smart. Um, they're not going to bruise you every single time, <clears throat> right? They're not going to make it obvious, you know? And just because you don't bruise, just because you don't have a black eye, doesn't mean you weren't abused. And abuse isn't only physical. So there's financial abuse, right? Which I also encountered. Um he made the money, so he made sure that he spent it however he pleased. Um, so if that meant that I had a cup of noodles and sink water um, every day, that's what I had, you know. Um, and he made sure to let me know that it was his money. He earned it. And if I, if I saw fit, then I should find a way to make my own money, right? There's also verbal and emotional abuse, you know. Um, calling someone names, um, telling them they're not good enough to, you know, have a child with, um, just belittling and demeaning people, that's abuse too. So it doesn't mean that you have to be physically hurt. And it doesn't mean it has to happen on a daily basis. It doesn't matter how often. It shouldn't even happen to begin with. No one should be putting their hands on anyone. Not a man on a, on a woman or a woman on a man. No one should ever engage in physical conflict ever. And the thing is, to me, I think that it only takes one time, right? Once you cross that boundary, there's literally no going back because that respect is lost. And if you forgive, then... Um, I personally think from my experience that it just becomes easy to forgive again because now it becomes a habit and it's not as impactful as the first time, right? It is causing tremendous traumatic damage in the long run, but for me in that moment, as it kept happening, I was scared and I was in pain, but it was just another day, <laughs> unfortunately, as crazy as that might sound. And and you feel trapped. You don't know what to do. And, and the thing is, too, is that things escalate from the first time, the second time, the third time. Every time there's another incident, it's worse and worse and worse. Even verbally, even emotionally, it's like, it just keeps building and growing. And so the entrapment feels deeper and deeper. And you feel lost. And you feel shamed. And you feel broken. And you feel powerless because you are powerless in that environment. Inside that environment, in that marriage, in that household, in that relationship, you are powerless. And you're told day in and day out that you're fucking powerless and you start believing it. And then you start kind of convincing yourself too, because then you think like, I am stupid. He's right. Why am I fucking still here? 
Shit, I am powerless. The hell am I going to do? Look how bad he beat me this time. How the hell am I going to beat him? And not even like beat him equally physically, right? But it just becomes this power struggle and you start seeing power in all its in all its entities. And so it no longer belong it becomes about who's stronger physically. It just you keep losing and they keep draining power from you that you just think overall you're powerless. And it fucking sucks. It, it fucking sucks. It's fucking scary. And it's one of the most demeaning things that I've ever experienced in my life. And I just want people to know that um, it's not fair to pass judgment on others because you don't know what it's like. Um, And not only is there threats to you, there's threats to your family, and you really don't know how far those threats will go because you've already seen what that person is capable of doing to you. The person that they claim they love the most in the world, the person that they claim um, they would do anything for, right? Um, And so that creates a different reality for you, a fearful reality. So you live in fear all the time, not only for yourself, but for those that you love, for those around you. And so you start making decisions based on saving everybody else. And even saving yourself because you think that if I just do what they want or follow the rules, then this will get better and it'll stop. But it doesn't stop. At least it didn't for me. Um, And this was only the beginning for me. This is uh, really just kind of a touch or intro to the beginning of my battered life. Um, And I just want to finish with um, covering a couple of domestic violence facts. Um, For the military, 25 out of 1,000 military personnel are victims of domestic violence. Um, And... In the U.S., one out of three women and one out of four women, I mean four men, sorry, one in three women and one in four men um, are victims of intimate partner violence in the U.S. And in the U.S. alone, they receive 20,000 calls a day for domestic violence. So that tells you a lot. That means that Many people you know, you encounter every day at work, at school, on the street, in the store, are victims of domestic violence. And they're walking around, smiling, laughing, doing their job, being a parent, being an employee, being a person, and you have absolutely no idea to the horror that they go home to every single day and the fear that they live in every single day. Because let me tell you, it's every fucking day. Every day you don't know what to fucking expect. 
So remember that. And remember when you hear a story, don't judge because it's not that easy. It isn't. Many factors come into play and psychologically many things come into play too. So um, I just want to leave today's episode with that. Um, Let's have an open heart. Let's give people grace. Let's be understanding. Um, We don't know what people are going through every day. Everyone is fighting their own battle every single day. So let's try to be loving and let's try to be compassionate. If you or anyone you know is a victim of domestic violence, uh, please reach out to the hotline. It's 1-800-799-7233. Remember to stay safe. Much love. Make moto moves. Drink your celery juice. And I will catch you guys next week. Thank you for listening and take care.